In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the National on TojiNet and Parax Radio. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone Van Helsing. With me, my co-host, all the way from across the pond, the star of his own mind, the Ghostbinder General Richard Felix. Good evening. How are you? I am outstanding. How are you? I'm very well. I didn't know I was the star of my own mind. That's quite something. That's good. I, I, was, I like I it. Just, I just want to make sure you were listening. That's all. Oh, I listen to everything. you. I hang on every word you say, Ron. You know that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Is it raining? No, oh, it's raining. Of course it is. Are you joking? It is no, here. We're getting, it's absolutely true. It's not going to rain when I come over, is it? Absolutely. We want, we want you to make feel feel like home, you know? Oh, thank you so much. Ah, no, I thought I was in for some sunshine. Well, you never know. It's, it's the end of August, so could happen. Yeah, well, we live we live in hopes, don't we? Eh? <laughs> Anything like exciting that. to report? Any any more ghosts of Michael Jackson? Uh, let's leave that guy to rest. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I've never seen so much controversy over the, the past two shows over Mr. Uh, Jackson. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. well. At least we're stirring up something. Then that's 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 the main thing, isn't it? Hey? I guess. Oh, you wait. You wait. Like come over and start stirring things up. Well, anyway, speaking about you coming over, I was actually over at the uh, Concord Lexington today and talking about yes. you in your visit, and they're looking forward to it. That's fantastic. Well, so am I. Are they? Uh, are they trying to find me a, a, a red coat British uniform? Ah, uh, we might have a whole regiment for you. No. <laughs> now, that could be really something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what. But... Yes, yes, please. Because you do know that you guys in America actually started this uh, this reenactment business. Um, Excuse me? Years and years, 40, 50 years ago. Oh, I thought you were going to blame me for the revolution. Well, no, I do, I do blame you for the revolution. <laughs> but no, I'm talking about actual reenactment. We, di- we didn't do it over here at all. Oh, no, um, really? And they- no, 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 not at all. No, you you started this, and it came over to England, what, must must be f- at least 45, 50 years ago. Um, and then we started to follow you for once, and um, <laughs> no, we've been doing it ever since. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, do find me a, a, a medium, a medium to, yeah, a medium um, British uniform, please, with a tricorn hat and a musket. You, you know, uh, beggars can't be choosers. 
No, that's true. I suppose you're right. Well, anything that you can find will do. As long as it's red. Yeah. Now, um, the one thing I, I did want to tell you is that this part of this uh, event we're planning is at the uh, uh, Manth, which was actually home to Waldo and Emerson, Thoreau, Hawthorne. Uh, there were painters there, and it's right on the, uh, right at the foot, as you say, of the uh, North Bridge, where this little argument we had with you guys started. Oh. <laughs> right. So this, this was the building there at the time? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, really? This is simply an amazing place, uh, Richard. It actually has uh, in the glass where Hawthorne's uh, wife and, and Thoreau's wife had, had written uh, messages with their diamond ring right into the glass. It oh. Is a, yes. Yeah, so no, it's this simply is, amazing. This is and, and, of course, it's haunted. Of course! That's what it's all about. Oh, I can't wait. I'm... Uh, you know, I, as I say, we've only got we've got less than four weeks now before I come, so uh, I'm uh, quite excited about the whole thing, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm going to have the book with me as well. Um, so you and I together will be able to do some book signing. So I mean, what is this book? I mean, uh, I don't really understand. Do you want me to? Are you ready? You know, I mean, what, what's it all about, my friend? It's it's the. <laughs> It's the it's the be all and end all. It's the book that ends all books on ghosts. Um, oh, really? Yeah, your, yours and mine both. But um, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, you you know, I think you know me by now. I'm this guy that that's a bit of a um, bit of a skeptic that believes in ghosts, but sitting firmly. And I'm actually trying to get to the bottom of what this ghost business is all about. The book is called What Is a Ghost, and <laughs> um, it's it's basically. In brackets, what is a ghost? The ravings, the ravings of Richard Felix. Um, so it's very controversial. Um, I'm blaming the church for a certain a certain amount of the ghosts that are still here. You, you know, and, I'm going to um, kick your ass on that, right? Well, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But it's going to be a bit controversial, but very different. I have some theories that could blow people's minds. Uh, but remember, they're only theories. There's no proof at all exactly. to any of it. So, uh, so anyways, just... the number here is 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869. Or join us live in the Toginet chat room and also the Pararex chat room. And so, Richard, who do we have on the show today? We have my very good friend, um, Chris Romer. Um, CJ, hi, how are you? I'm fine. Nice to see, hear from you. Good, good. Glad you're here. Um, you've been poorly. Yeah, it's been, I mean, we've got the peak flu going around all over England at the moment, but I don't think I had anything so exciting, I'm afraid. Oh, dear. Never mind. Uh, Ron, um, CJ, yeah, do, you, do you want us to call you CJ or Chris? I really don't mind. Anything rich can call me um, oh, old wow. fat I've always coach. referred to you as CJ, and it sounds a bit American, doesn't it? <laughs> um, CJ oh. is, is, um, help, has been helping me with the book. Um, uh -huh. He's... He, in my opinion, and I've said this about uh, other people in, in, in different walks of life, Chris is, is one hell of an authority on on ghosts, on the paranormal. He's, he's done a lot of TV work. Um, there's a program that we've had over in this country, similar type, called Ghost Hunters, that, that Chris did quite a lot of work on, uh, appeared on, on some of them as well. He's 
he's a very down-to-earth... He's also a theologian, aren't you? Is that the right word? I, yeah, yeah, I studied theology at university. Yeah. yeah, he's a Christian Anglican, is that right? That's right, yeah. I'm one of those dodgy Anglicans. Uh, in America, oh. Episcopal. Oh, right. So he's, he's into, but he's into ghosts in a big way. Tell you, you you'll, you'll love him, folks. You'll really, you really will, Ron. So uh, um, I don't know where we start with this one. Well, Do you want to ask I, him a question? One, one thing I know, he, he's got a bloody accent. So uh, what is he? English, Welsh, Scots? Uh, you know, you guys always mess me up there. I can't tell who's cooking what there. What is that? I think we're losing connection. Can you hear us? Yes, fine. Hi, Richard. Hi, hi there. Can you hear us? Scott? Yeah, we hear you fine. Okay, sorry. What was the question again? I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> it's a good way to step in. Sorry, I, oh, I have a bad connection. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, anyways, I, I, I wanted to know what part of the UK you were from. Uh, English, Scottish, Wales. Denmark. So, not from the UK at all. I'm Danish, but I've lived in the UK most of my life. So oh, there you go. That's why I've got a funny accent, I suppose. So, you know, dodgy European. I'm, I'm a European. It's not funny accent. It's posh. <laughs> it's not. I'm about as working class as they come, Richard. You know that. You know, anyway. working class? Well, he, uh, Ron, I'm sure you was posh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Anyway, Ron, Richard, ghosts. Let's, let's get back to the ghosts. It sounds like you've got a fascinating right. event. When, when is it? Three to four weeks' time. You're doing something in America, Richard. Yeah, I'm, go I'm coming over for, for I'm doing uh, a fortnight in Massachusetts and, and New Hampshire, oh. uh, and I'm so excited about it. That's amazing. I mean, it's such a beautiful, such a historical and such a haunted area. New England. Who would not want to be there? I you know, do the want to be there. <laughs> you know, the ghost of H.P. Lovecraft is meant to haunt Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. There you go. There you go. Pointless. Did you know that, Rob? I do know that. Actually, we, we've done some events down in uh, uh, Rhode Island, so I am well aware of that. And, and actually, oh. if, if you're talking about writers, uh, Richard will be doing an event at the Worthen in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is supposedly haunted by Edgar Allan Poe. So there you go. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. My, my, my great desire is to see the ghost of M.R. James, because I grew up on a farm adjacent to the one where he grew up 100 years before me. The great British ghost story writer, but I don't know if you're familiar with M.R. James, but he no, wrote I'm a number not. of. So he, well, he's a, he's a sort of our version of Edgar Allan Poe. Maybe some of your listeners would like to check out his work. Yeah, how, how, where would they... he died around. Yeah. About... Sorry. Where would where would they do that? I mean, uh, uh, they, most of his stories, short stories, are available online. Just type M. Dot R. Dot James into Google, and you'll be able to find some of his classic ghost stories, and they really are worth the read. Whistle, and I'll come to you, my lad. Exactly, yeah, yeah, and uh, casting the runes, and yeah. But I mean, Poe, of course, is himself not, not only a, a writer of weird and eerie fiction, he invented the detective story. Did you know that? Edgar Allan Poe? No, I, I, I'm sorry, I quite didn't get that. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, I said, you mentioned Poe's ghost a moment ago. Right. I mean, Poe himself pretty much invented the idea of the modern uh, detective story. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Poe is an incredible author who was influential in many ways. No no success during his life, but then 
you know, isn't that the way of all geniuses? No success in this life, but recognized after their death. So. Yeah, that's, that's my problem, too. That'll be us. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, actually, there's, there's a lot of mystery surrounding Poe. I mean, uh, on his birthday, there is the Poe uh, toaster who comes to his grave and leaves uh, three roses and a half bottle of cognac every, uh, every year on his birthday. Yeah, well, of wow. course, there, was, there are those who claim that he was actually personally involved in the death of the New York uh, uh, what was she, cigar girl, Mary Rogers, which formed the basis for the facts in the case of Marie Roger, one of his short stories, aren't there? So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a criminological element. And, I mean, his life with Virginia, all kinds of literary theories have come up about his madness and the influence of that on his weird fiction. So he was a fa- fascinating and spooky character in real life as well. It, and, and even, and even his... Even his death, he was uh, found in an alley in someone else's yeah. clothes. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I Where mean, did he, he die, Ron? Pardon me? Where did he die? In Baltimore. Oh, right. So there, well, there are a lot of cities that claim Edgar Allen as his, their official ghost, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, he got around. So uh, if you if you can get around in the real life, I don't see why you can't get around in the afterlife. I I, I couldn't agree more with you. Couldn't agree oh. more. But he was he was a low old man, was he? No, he was actually from Baltimore. Oh, I see. And what, so, what was his connection with Lowell? Ah, uh, woman. <laughs> right. Drinking woman. But actually, I understand he really didn't drink that much. Uh, he had a, a medical problem. There, there's so much mystery surrounding him. Uh, him and his death. It, it, he married his cousin. Uh, there's, there's lots of uh, interesting aspects mm. of Poe's life. Mm. So you see, I tell you what, you see, CJ's to me quite a fascinating guy because he's he's obviously very much into religion. In fact, you, you you were going to become ordained, weren't you, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I was considering a career as a priest in the Church of England. That's right. Yeah. And yet he's and into yet ghosts. He's into ghosts. Well, why wouldn't one be? I mean, at the end of the day, religion says that this is not all there is, that materialism isn't the whole answer, that there's more to life than just, you know, energy, matter, bricks and mortar and the stuff we see falling on the streets, that there's a spiritual yeah, yeah. side of life, and so does ghosts, so does, so does the whole parapsychology thing. It's, you know, materialism is something we all take for granted. We all nowadays just assume that we are our bodies and when we die, that's it. But actually, that's a very, very, a very, very, very big jump. There's no evidence to support it, really. Uh, there might appear to be, but it's really, you know, philosophically unde- indefensible in many ways. And yet, and yet, and yet, we all, obviously we all want to believe. But you see, I have a problem in as much as the fact that the, the, the church for a, an awful long time have actually sort of tried to tell us that there aren't such things as ghosts and that mediums are, you know, all they are are people that are uh, demons are, are sort of whispering in their ears people that, that, that believe they're in touch with, with, a, dead, with a, a, a dead relative, all it is is a medium, that, uh, sorry, all it is is a, a demon that, that is impersonating that, that dead relative. Well, that was certainly the opinion from the Protestant Reformation onwards. I mean, you know, any kind of talking with spirits was necromancy and was frowned upon by the church. But pretty much all institutionalized religions are always going to try and ensure that the religion is kept pure and that, you know, other ideas don't creep in. And you find that in all religious traditions, you know. So even if you go back to the ancient Greeks, they have evil spirits and demons. And how do we know that they aren't real? I mean, we don't. At the end of the day, Richard, we really don't know. 
I mean, have you ever yeah, yeah, yeah. done a poltergeist case where you've seen the blood on the wall or you've smelt, you know, excrement or where you've seen uh. people pushed over and attacked? And you, you know how people's lives get messed up by some of these things. You can yeah. see why people yeah. think that was evil or demonic. You see, Ron and I, Ron and I have this um, uh, disagreement about uh, demons, okay. uh, don't we, Ron? Uh, <laughs> we have a little disagreement. I Just would occasionally. Say. Just in case, you see, I don't, be, I don't, I believe that that um, as as pagans believe that actually we're all we're all born innocent and we are all innocent, um, and and I really don't believe. I, of course, I believe in evil. Obviously, that's you know, I mean, there are evil people, but I don't believe there are many evil people. I think most of us are very nice. Thank you very much. I don't, well, I mean, what do you think, Chris? I'm tempted to make a crack about joking on Most Haunted, but I won't. Um, <laughs> I don't believe go on. that. <laughs> no, going back to the plot and actually stopping making libelous statements. Um, stop <laughs> using the demon for a moment and think in terms of daemons. That is a non-human intelligence. It's, it's the ancient Greek word, daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N. We don't yeah. have to very say these things are evil, but there could be intelligences on this planet which, you know, are non-physical. I mean, there's no... Are we looking at oh, elementals? Well, elementals, fairies, ghosts, spirits, UFOs even, you know, all of these anomalous phenomena could share a common origin. And, if, and you know, if, if I always say, you know, if it acts like a demon, if it smells like a demon, if it, you know, kicks you like a demon, it's a demon. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not going to get excited and ask the people to go out there and start exorcising evil, etc. I think that's an extremely dangerous way to go. <laughs> When people say that their kids got a demon in them, I'm utterly terrified and hope that, you know, they get proper psychiatric help or support. But at the end of the day, we don't know what these things are. And when you look at some of the classic cases, like the Watsika Wonder, is that how you say it? I'm, I'm not American. What Watsika? W-A-T-S-E-K-A? Do you, do you know the case I mean? I'm not sure. The 19th century case, I think it's either New England or Prairies, but it's American. And what happened in that particular case was, I think the name was Lurham Johnson, but I mean, this is completely off the top of my head, a poltergeist manifestation, but the entity took on a voice, as these things do, and often, you know, they have these metallic voices that sound like a hungover dialect. Very good. You know, in America, I don't, I don't know if you do, but anyway, but these, these voices that you, which are heard, it started off claiming, to, beginning by claiming it was a dead guy, and then later on, it swore a lot and said it was the devil, and then later on, it claimed it was an angel of light. But, you know, the entity was, was, was masquerading in exactly the kind of way that, you know, we've come to expect. And again, I mean, we've got this classic case in England called the Enfield Poltergeist, which I'm, I'm doubtful about in some ways, but the evidence seems quite strong. And there, the voice started off, the, the poltergeist voice, we'll call it a poltergeist, just, you know, but the voice started off by claiming to be that of a dead guy buried in the local cemetery who'd lived in the house. But later on, it made more and more extravagant claims. We've even got, I mean, Harry Price in the 30s investigated the weirdest poltergeist of all, which said it was a mongoose called Jeff. Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Uh, yeah, what? Jeff the Talking Mongoose. So, you know, we, we really don't know what these entities are, and therefore I'm very, very wary. But, you know, maybe that's just me. Well, actually, yeah, just... you, know, you know, we have a fellow coming on next week uh, who is <laughs> Bell Witch. Uh, one of the authorities on the Bell Witch. Oh, yeah, absolutely classic. It's, it's, it's a classic. I mean, this case is... is probably one of the most studied cases because it didn't go on for like, you know, a couple of months or something. It went for years. Yeah. yeah. And it is actually, um, what's 
word, uh, taught in the Tennessee school system. So it also involved President Andrew Jackson, and it, it, it's really uh, an extraordinary case. Did you do that voice then? Yeah, that was the ghost. That was good. <laughs> I'm alone here. Listen, I'm alone here. and <laughs> didn't like that. <laughs> Over. Don't um, do it again, please. <laughs> anyway, it's amazing. I mean, when we do investigation ourselves, uh, we have remote sensors and everything else, and we also have remote temperature sensors. And a lot of the times we will get uh, 666 when activity is going on. Now, it's assumed that's the mark of the devil, but is the devil there? Probably not. It's probably just the spirit trying to intimidate. Intimidate. So uh, it's, well, it's this this is where my biblical criticism comes in, because, of course, many of the earliest manuscripts, many of the earliest um, New Testament Greek manuscripts used the number 616, and it could be that 666 is actually a mistranslation, though most people, biblical critics now think it is 666. <coughs> but you would expect the devil, if it was him, to get his phone number right, so therefore, you know... <laughs> I think part of, the, part of this thing I've noticed, and I mean, I've done a, an awful lot of investigations over 20 years, is... Whichever group goes into a building, like take Derby Jail, which Richard obviously runs and, and owns, when, you, when people go into the building, what I saw when I was working there with groups was that their expectations shape the nature of the phenomena. Does that sound mad? So if no, they expected no, something no, demonic, no. they got something demonic. If they expected a little Victorian girl smelling of primroses, they got exactly that. But when, the, when phenomena did seem to occur, they seemed to... To reflect the expectations of the group who'd come in. So my joke was that, you know, I, I took, I once was doing a fairly minor investigation up in Warwickshire in England, and the woman said, well, yeah, but since you've come, it's got far worse and it's changed. Before it was fairly benign, but now we're getting all this extra stuff. And it, it seems to me that the groups bring something and, and somehow empower the phenomena. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but, you know, there seems to be a react, uh, that they react to what we're doing. So if you go in expecting demons, you might well get demonic-style phenomena. But how much of it is in our minds, Chris? How much is it? How much do we conjure up in <clears throat> like the poltergeist activity? Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm just a great believer in in you know the poltergeist actually being a living person. Um, most poltergeist cases involve prepubescent children, especially girls, that are in a, a, a right state, if you like, because of what's I, going on with their bodies and and the energy that we have. It, I believe is capable of causing poltergeist activity. <clears throat> I'm going to be controversial here, but I think the reason that most um, poltergeists are associated historically with sexually frustrated young women, often actually <laughs> just post pubescent is because most ghost hunters historically in the 19th century were sexually frustrated, dirty old men. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Does that mean us, Ron? That's what I'm thinking, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been uh, accused of that more than once. Oh, I, I, Isaac Bonewitz, the great American magician, he, he, he used to hand out a, uh, a, a scale of how much he charged to cure your poltergeist by seducing your daughter, depending on how attractive and how old she was. Anyway. Really? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a joke. They are, you see. But no, uh, serious, seriously. We actually, we actually have a, uh, a uh, question from the uh, TojiNet chat room. And yep. they... Someone, uh, Lorraine, uh, asked if you have ever faced demons or the devil yourself. Interesting. Well, 
don't we all face demons every day of our lives? I mean, you know, my, my comment is that when one comes across supernatural evil, it's very rare. And people expect, you know, demons to be glamorous or to be, to be utterly supernatural and, and, you know, to face those horrible smells, and those moments of darkness and despair and that, that feeling of utter depression you get. And sure, I've had those experiences. But I think most demons actually, you know, can be found in the utter banality and the father beating his child in the nightclub where the pushers kicking out the drugs and the kids are throwing up and vomiting on the bathroom floor. To me, evil isn't glamorous. It isn't supernatural. Most, most demons would be utterly mundane. And, you know, there's more demonic influence in someone walking past a guy who's had a heart attack dying on the pavement because they think he's a drunk than there is in any, in Bally Rectory or any of these haunted locations. <laughs> So, yeah, strange idea, but for me, real evil is very mundane and very banal and very normal and very oppressive, and supernatural evil is just something we get obsessed with and excited by, but yeah, yeah, I guess I have, yeah. The the feeling of utter depression and of utter worthlessness you tend to associate with it, don't you? But Uh, no, I don't know. Is that that really something? Go on, go on, Ron. Uh, Let me ask you this, DJ. Uh, Are you a paranormal call yourself a paranormal investigator have you done uh investigating uh you know also while you're at it what do you have a website um no, i've got a blog and i've got I, I investigate with a small group called ghostly stay uk that's gsuk paranormal nights uh they're, they're great guys from becky smith who's a parapsychologist based at coventry university um i i kind of kick around in british parapsychology there's Tony Robinson, or we call him Baldrick, um, he's a, uh, an arch-skeptic. and you know, we've, we've got a small group who I investigate with regularly. But I've been, I've been investigating for just over 20 years now, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite familiar with, with the protocols, the usual kind of protocols one uses. I worked as a researcher on Most Haunted with Richard for a short while as well. So. But I was only been a researcher. Around, been around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, uh, I don't know if that's actually a good credential stand that you worked with Richard. <laughs> Richard's fantastic. I worked with Richard at Derby Jail for a, a good time, didn't I, Richard? And we, we had some good times out there, yeah. Yeah. Chris is, is real. Chris is one of these, um, um, you know, he's not into the Scooby-Doo uh, side of, of the paranormal. Uh, he, he's into the reality of what it's all about, which, which I suppose I am to a certain extent. Um, and that's what I like about him. Um, his feet are firmly placed on the on the on the floor. Um, I don't know. You're not. Are you frightened of ghosts, Chris? In any way? Absolutely terrified. Quick story. Really? Years really? ago, yeah, I was at I was at the Dick Whittington in Gloucester with a group of young student girls, and I mean, I was in my early twenties, and they were all sort of eighteen to twenty-one, and very attractive, I must say. And you know, that, I think that's the dirty old man thing again. Here we go. But that was the reason I'd taken them. But no, the joke is they were downstairs and they said they saw a smoky figure of a woman. I assumed, Chris, Chris, it's a full apparition. So I tried to climb out of the window out into the car park. They said, where are you going? Where are you going? And I said, well, I've been a ghost hunter now for maybe, you know, five or ten years. And now I suddenly realise for the first time that they might actually exist. And I'm reconsidering my career option, so I'm out of here. <laughs> but jokes aside, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared. Did you see it? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know how many nights I spent on my own down in Derby Jail. Or, you know, no. Yeah, yeah. I just want to let you guys know that uh, we were talking about ghosts you know, and the devils and demons, and all of a sudden my computer just froze up and I lost everything, so I had to reboot it. So I am no longer in touch with the 
chat room or anything. But anyways, that is the break time. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back after the following messages on Net and Pararex Radio. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Get ready for Cowboys and Indians. I'm Eric Sullivan, sports anchor at CBS 19. I love the Dallas Cowboys. I wore Roger Starbucks jersey four consecutive pitcher days when I was in elementary school. Cowboys and Indians, 11 to noon central, Tuesdays on Tokinet. I'm Eric Williams, third generation NFL player, Super Bowl winner from the Washington Redskins. I've been in the trenches. I know what I'm talking about, especially when I'm going to get some spiked hair cowboy groupie. Cowboys and Indians, get the lowdown. Yeah, you want to be in the thick of it. I, you know, that's what you no, want. I know how hard it is. Like, okay, no, well, I don't got... give me this. What have you done lately? But every NFL team hasn't done anything okay, lately. but they have the most talented team in the NFL. Get to SmackDown. You are absolutely nuts. Are you kidding me? You've been hitting the head too many times in those trenches, my friend. Cowboys and Indians, 11 to noon central, Tuesdays on Toginet. Radio with a cutting edge. with Richard Felix and Ron Kolix on Tojinet and Pararex Radio. The number here is 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869, or join us live in the Tojinet chat room or the Pararex chat room, and I would if I could, but my computer still be booting. Anyways, uh, our special guest is DJ, who is the uh, Vangical, Vangical Ghost Hunter. <laughs> I, it I don't must even know be what pretty said. unique. I don't know many um, um, religious people that are that are into ghosts. I mean, Lionel Fanthorpe. Um, um, I, I really don't know many. It's I, I find it unusual. Ryan Colwick. Are you? Of course, I am. You're not. You're not. You're not a preacher, are you? Or. or but you're a religious author, person. I was an author boy. Does that count? Uh, yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> a bit. Yeah, of course it does. And, and are you still quite a religious person? I am. I am a practicing Catholic. You're a practicing oh. Catholic? I am. Getting better all the time. Oh, getting <laughs> better all the time. That'll be our theme song. Oh, Anyways. well, you better not, you better not, I better leave my book behind. Oh, <laughs> No, I, I want to see it go up in flames when we go to some of these religious uh, places we're going. Oh, I, I tell you what, I better be very careful if I go down to the Deep South. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Let me tell you a little story about the Deep South. Um, yes. About a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, we went down to 
Georgia to sign with our uh, uh, book agent. And while we were down there, we did some investigations. Uh, we, we actually uh, were was, uh, helping the police on a case down there, and, and we were in one of the cemeteries. And yeah. after it was all over, anyways, uh, we left. Uh, somebody wrote a letter to the newspaper saying why we were there and desecrated all the graves because we were walking through them at night looking for blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, we yeah. got crucified. So there you all go. Right. Really, again, it, it, it's sort of, you know, I must be honest with you. I, you see, we we do very few um, graveyard um, tours in, in England, surprisingly. Really? And yet we're not anything like as, as religious, I don't think, as, as you are in America now. But, but I'm right, aren't I, Chris? So, you know, the, have you ever been on a, um, a graveyard ghost walk? No. Um, well, once, Bury St. Edmunds, the old cemetery, but, I mean, that was we were staying on the paths and we were just walking through it looking at the historical sites. I mean, if I was dead, the last place I'd hang around would be a cemetery. I would, I would make my way down to the local university and hang out in the girls' dorm and manifest there. <laughs> He's a dirty old man, you see. Yeah, I tried. But uh, don't you guys? Wait a minute! Don't you guys have a famous cemetery there where the, the tour guides have actually been pushed around, and yep. even some of the people that, that go on to visit them? Edinburgh. I think it's, it is in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. There's the, the so-called Mackenzie Poltergeist. I, I'm yeah. afraid it's. Not something I know about. Richard, have you been there? I think you went with most haunted. I, I, I have actually. Yeah, I've yeah. been more than once. It's on my it's DVD, on. Ghosts of uh, Edinburgh. Um, I've done a couple of uh, investigations, um, actually, in the graveyard. It's, um, to me, possibly the scariest place on earth. Um, really? Yeah, and, and the... the you can't go in it, but the actual tomb where um, Mr. Mackenzie is actually still there, still buried in this most horrid um, stone. Um, what's the word? It's a, it's a room, basically, with with uh, with huge doors on it, and and you can go down, and then you go down through these steps into the into the crypt where he's actually buried, uh, and there are other skeletons deposited there with him. It it, it is extremely scary. And, and about three years ago, so two two youths broke into his into his tomb, uh, opened the lid of his coffin, and physically cut off his head because the body is still preserved. Would you believe? And they ran off with his head uh, wrapped up in a in a, a blanket or something. And one of the tour guides, uh, a guy called Jan, who who actually runs the the the, the tours, caught them did a rugby tackle on one of these guys and the head rolled across the, um, across the grass and they, they actually retrieved it, got it back. Um, and I've actually seen a photograph of, of Mr. McKenzie's head that had been cut off. Um, and then they, they put it back in the coffin and they reckon that they stirred up more problems. It, it's the, one of the most haunted places that I find in this country. Now, you said you've been there. Have you experienced I've been twice. Yourself? I've been twice. Absolutely nothing happened to me on either occasion, uh, but I've spoken to people. I've, I've had many, many reports of people being pushed, um, coming out with scratches, people fainting. But again, the, the problem we have is, is you know, that when people know about these things, they go along expecting it. And, and I think to a certain extent, it, you know, how much of it is actually psychosomatic and how much... The, of, 
of the spirit that's really there? I don't know. I'm not sure. On, I mean, Rich. what do you think? You're, Richard, what you're saying here is that the expectation leads to them injuring themselves. They scratched themselves, so they noticed the scratch that they wouldn't normally notice. I remember years ago, uh, Becky and I did the Station Hotel Derby, and she had seen Most Haunted. She knew that scratches appeared on Yvette and a few other people, I think, in that, in, on yep. that case. Do you, do you remember that one, the Station Hotel? Indeed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And she noticed that she had a scratch afterwards. Now, the question is, does she normally get scratches and not notice? I mean, I do all the time because I have three cats, but, you know... The, so do the, I. But, 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 but you're saying that it's just down to expectation. I'm wondering if it's something else. Imagine for a moment that we actually all possess a psychic power, yeah? Or yep. a spiritual power, if you prefer. And that power has the ability to manifest as a poltergeist, as you said earlier. You, you think poltergeists are caused by human agency, is that right? I do, yep. Yeah. So everyone's got this ability to manifest a poltergeist. Now imagine we go into a spooky place. Let's take Derby Jail. We know yes. that ghosts have been seen there, yeah? And we know yeah. that, that there might actually... Imagine there is actually a spirit there of a dead guy who's hanging around. So yeah. the spirit I really here, think there is. Yeah, and I, I think that's possible. Yeah, I, that's highly likely. I mean, I saw something there once, one night. But yeah. anyway, but then our own expectation, our own fear begins to build on it. And maybe, just maybe, that allows our own psychic powers to haunt ourselves. So our yes. own psi starts to generate minor poltergeist activity that is added to the ghost. Does that make sense? So yes, even if people don't actually see the apparition, their own psychic ability, their own sigh, creates knocking. It causes the doors to shake. It, yes. it, it pushes other people. So all the candle flies across the room has happened to several guests. So what I call these, these effects, which seem to be caused by the ghost hunter's own fear and expectation, is mm -hmm. side effects. PSI, high DE effects, yeah? Yeah. Joking, guys, it's not just expectation. I know it's a bad joke, it's a terrible pun, but, but a side effect might be our own psychic powers adding to the effect. Does that make sense? Just to me. I don't know, what do you think, Ron? Wrong. I don't know, it, it, we actually investigated a place in Bell Ricker, which, by the way, is not far from Lady B lives, and a place called Dudley Road, and it's deep in uh, urban legend and everything else. So we, I took Maureen there, who's a, a trans medium and a, and a psychic, and uh, she didn't know any of the legends or anything. Yet when we did the investigation there, she came up with all this information that yep. were the urban legends. There's absolutely no proof of any of this ever happened or, or anything. And a celebrity medium, who I won't name, but who worked on a television show that me and Richard know well, um, would often, I mean, they, they often give information which is correct from the internet or from urban legend, but which is totally wrong historically, which as a historian, both me and Richard recognise is incorrect. But, again, that doesn't mean to say they're not genuinely psychic, because imagine for a moment that um, I was trying, we were trying to establish, I've never been in Richard's dining room or living room, but imagine we were trying to now do a psychic reading of Richard's room, yeah? If we started to describe details of events that had happened there, you know, him and Julia having lunch or Ed and Bill, his son's coming home and having a row or whatever, we could possibly, theoretically, we could be getting that information not from spirits, but from reading Richard's mind. So it could be the trance medium, theoretically, I mean, you know, it's more likely they could look up on the internet, but it could be they're reading from human minds, from those living today by telepathy. Yeah? You see, this is the problem we try and do you try and prove life after death using mediumship and as long as you allow ESPN telepathy you can never do it 
The whole yeah. thing is horrendously, horrendously complex that we just, as soon as you start to think about it, you go slightly bonkers, I think. Yeah, you, know you know what's weird? We did a ghost hunt on Sunday, and uh, we made contact uh, with, Maureen made contact with the spirit in this one location, which was a female spirit. This, this is kind of an interesting case. That's why I want to bring it up. And there, I believe there was five or six of us and we had EMF meters, you know, the ones that glow up in the dark, which are really cool. I love those. Uh, yep. I'm a visual guy. But anyways, um, we all had them, and two of them weren't going off at all. Okay, they didn't light up, and we were all in a similar location. So finally, we took all the EMF meters and put them in a circle, uh, everybody holding them, and I would switch off the ones that were going off with the ones that weren't, but the two people that, weren't hold, that were holding them they, no matter what meter I put in their hands, it would go off. So mm. finally I, I thought, well, maybe there's got to be a connection. Why, why would the spirit, I mean, why would the meters not go off? Uh, so we asked if there was a, a message for, uh, you know, either one of them. The, the names were Chris and Jill. But Chris, and when we said Chris, his meter went off, even though it was dead. And then we asked about Jill, and the same thing went off, almost like it was trying to communicate. And then uh, Maureen came up with a name, which was really interesting, because we, we had no note. And what, as it turned out, it was a this ghost hunt was a birthday present for the kid Chris from his grandmother, Jill, who was there. And the name was her husband, David, who had passed away, but was really, really a good friend with Chris. And this whole thing went on. It was it was really interesting to see the EMF meters doing or, or mimicking uh, the messages and so forth. And even when it was all done, we broke contact. We went in the front of the building. We just stand around talking, and uh, we stand. That was amazing. And, and they, they, actually, Joe was cry, almost crying. And uh, in fact, I almost was. And what happened is, I said, you know, I really think that they used the other spirit to get a message across. And when I said that, my meter. Chris and Jill's meter both went off at the same time. So how right. do you explain that? It's a little difficult. You know, it's way beyond just reading mine. It's way beyond uh, even just picking up things psychically. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, you know, mind-boggling when you think about it. Well, physical manifestations like that are always going to be incredibly bizarre because when, you, when an EMF meter goes off, I mean, one of the funniest things I ever saw was a chap who was pursuing a ghost around Derby Jail with an EMF meter held close to his chest, and he actually had his mobile phone, one of the old type, in his, in his, in his pocket. Oh, I understand so, that, right. Coming towards him, because the EMF <laughs> meter kept off as his mobile phone. Was, anyway, yeah, back to the plot. But no, you, you think it's strange that a ghost could influence a, um, a physical object, yeah, like an EMF meter. Is that what you're saying, Ron? Right. Well, it, it beyond that, I mean, it, it's one thing that you could say, right, yeah, there's uh, inside, there's a, something that is influenced. Like, for instance, cell phone could make the meter go off or whatever. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes we go to look for natural solutions when there are none. You know what I mean? Sometimes, it's so ridiculous. Absolutely. And, well, he had a, a meter, I mean, he had his phone in his pocket, and it only went sure. off when the questions were given to him. And, and yeah. it was like, you know, you can reach, do all these reaching, and it, it sometimes... The unexplained is the unexplained. I, yeah, I agree totally. I mean, I don't find that any more mysterious than I do my ability to turn on a light or to light a cigarette or to open a door. Should I quickly explain why? Um, if you imagine for a moment, if you just close your eyes and imagine a green triangle, yeah? 
I mean, I'm sure we can all do that, yeah? Or a pink triangle. If you see something in your mind, or even just think the word Richard Felix, yeah, in your mind, what's happening there is that an idea which has no physical reality, yeah, is being translated into a series of neural impulses, yeah, and, and biochemical activity in the brain. So it's going from something that has no physical existence at all to a physical set of correlated states in the brain. So when you decide you're going to turn on a light switch, the idea, which is not physical, is somehow is generating a series of brain neural, uh, neural synaptic uh, links, which in turn is creating a series of muscular reactions uh, down, through the, uh, down through your body, and then your muscles reach out and you do it. But you see the problem. The mind isn't physical. I know we think the, bra the brain is physical and the brain houses the mind, but the mind itself is not physical. So there's some way in which mind, your green triangle, which is imaginary and has no matter, no energy associated with it, can somehow interact with, you know, you, I, I mentioned the idea, you were able to generate it. Yeah? So <laughs> I don't know if I'm making this clear, but the, the, it, philosophy and science today faces this real problem of consciousness. How does mind influence matter? And the best minds in the world don't know. I mean, Richard Dawkins admits freely that it's a mystery. And as you know, he's a devout atheist and a complete skeptic. But he admits that consciousness is still a major problem. We do not understand how mind interacts with matter. We all assume, we all naively assume, that our brains are just, you know, all ideas are just coming out of the brain. But no, there's something otherwise we would be able to destroy Anyway, sorry, I'm going off in philosophy now and science, so I'll shut up quickly. No, 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 that's good. That's what it's all about, discussion. I mean, we all have our point of view. It's just that sometimes uh, I find that people try to rationalize. Their, their, uh, uh, with their solution is more ridiculous than, be not, than believing in the unexplained <laughs> and the paranormal. Form gas reflecting Venus off high energy lines or whatever the classic 1950s explanation was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. And we're so versed in materialism, we're so, we're so prone to give materialistic explanations that we don't look at things like... I mean, look at Ghostbusters, the film. They run around with a PKE meter and blow ghosts up with their, with their proton packs. I mean, you know, there's no room there for a spiritual explanation, is there? Do you see what I mean? It's all done in terms of matter and energy. And maybe that's why, maybe, maybe that's why we are missing the point, because science can't go beyond the physical. Science, at the end of the day, our science is naturalistic. It does not deal with supernatural entities. In fact, it's one of the defining things of science is that it is limited to naturalistic explanations. You cannot have a miracle healing in science. You cannot have a, a, a dead spirit in science because science, by its nature, it's a, it's a part of science called ontological um, or methodological naturalism, so says would you, would you, that you can't. Would you, would you consider it closed reasoning? Yeah, well, well, science by its nature says that everything has a natural relationship with everything else. It's, it's natural, not supernatural. You, if, if your cup falls off the, off the table, it's because of a physical cause. There's a cause and effect. The laws of physics have come into effect. That's why the cup falls. You can't have an invisible ghost or a goblin push it. To a scientist, by the, very, by the ground rules of science, <laughs> that isn't allowed. Yeah? So therefore, science can't really address these questions adequately. And most scientists don't actually study philosophy of science, so they don't actually realise that's a problem, but it is. You, you can't postulate a dead guy, a spirit, talking through a medium in scientific terms, I'm afraid. You can investigate it scientifically, but the actual hypothesis will never be scientific. That doesn't mean to say I don't believe in it, I just don't believe science covers everything. 
and that's a real Absolutely problem. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, you know what's Sorry, I'm wrong. Just a yeah. matter of interest. How much, how much um, funding is there in, in the US for paranormal research? Uh, you got a couple bucks. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not asking for for a precise amount, but I mean, is not is the is the funding let's, over let's there? Put it, let's put it this way: infinitesimal. Very small. Exactly. Yeah. Because so, there's very little in, in England, is there, Chris? No, I mean, I, it depends. I mean, I always say to people who say, I want to be a parapsychologist, my usual comment is, do you know, you know, do you like living off biscuits and milk for three days a week? Because that's <laughs> what it comes down to. I mean, those of us who don't write books and don't have, you know, successful TV shows and Richard's media charm and presence and who yeah. tend to go off and yeah. wonder about science, you know, we're not making any money at all. So <laughs> it's pretty grim at times here. I'm assuming it's the same in the States, Ron, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Have you not, you don't, your New England group doesn't have a TV show or anything at the moment? Uh, no, just uh, talking with Richard, that's my claim to fame. Uh, <laughs> you know, wonderful. but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It won't get any better than that. <laughs> well, but, uh, no, I, just, I just find it amazing that uh, one of the last great frontiers, I suppose you could put, but apart from obviously what's beyond the universe and UFOs and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, we, we don't even know what what's going on on our own planet. We, we don't know what's going on in our own minds. And I just find it absolutely un unbelievable that, that there's, there's virtually no research done into it. I mean, it, mainly it's us, um, um, amateurs, that, that, that are sort of trying to, to, to find what the answers are. Well... There is research happening. I mean, we know a lot about how the brain works now. We know a lot about neurology. What we don't understand is how the brain activity creates a mind, or if does it create a mind, or it, is the mind like, is the brain like, um, let's try to think about this. Imagine a radio set. You're listening to the radio, and you're listening to this, to this particular channel, say. We're, we're listening to us talking. But if the body dies, or if the radio is turned off, the signal will still go on. We'll still be talking. There just won't be anyone listening. Yeah. Maybe bodily yeah, death is like yeah. that. Maybe the mind continues, but the body is the radio which receives the signal. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Or the mind, that, the, the brain, or we receive a recorder, transmitter, video player, satellite navigation yeah. system, telephone system, everything, aren't we? Yeah. But so, so we're a receiver for an eternal, an eternal existence, an eternal soul, if you like. That's that classic philosophical view is called Cartesian yeah. dualism. And I mean, if that's right, then we all survive, whether we like it or not. And we're all going to be sitting around having a coffee somewhere in a few centuries' time when we've shuffled off this mortal coil. Which, which I think I think we are. I think we do. I think there is. I'm convinced there is something something else. I, I presume you are. Are you, Chris? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I believe in a life after death. Simply because I think it was Thomas Paine, the great skeptic and rationalist, and um, he wasn't actually an atheist. He was a deist. But I mean, he was involved in the American Revolution. And he said that he didn't worry at all about the fact he, he just assumed he would live after his death. Because when you work out the odds, the odds against you, you personally, having ever been born in the first place, they were so vast. I mean, what are the odds of Richard Felix coming into existence? Yeah? <laughs> Absolutely billions to one against you coming into existence. And this was Tom Paine's argument. He said, well... Yeah. As I came into existence in the first place, therefore, I will continue after death, because that's a far smaller miracle. And, wow. um, yeah, it's quite an interesting idea, isn't it? I don't know if it's a version of what we call the Texas Sharpshooter fallacy or not, but 
you know, I, I think it's very, very, very likely that we will survive this death because... So do I. You know, so do I. I think my... there's too much evidence, even though there's absolutely no proof. There's loads of evidence. Um, uh, to, to, not to prove it. We can't prove it. But, you know, I, I just don't understand why um, at this stage in our evolution that, that we still think that everybody that's seen a ghost, heard a ghost and everything else is a nutcase that, that's overtired, that, that's been having too much to drink. It's just unbelievable. Um, that, that actually comes about in the 18th century mainly with the rise of what we call the Enlightenment when they decided that seeing ghosts was a type of illness. It was down to indigestion. It was down to... And the idea was repudiated a lot in the 19th century. It's cultural, Richard. It's, it's, it's fashion. And people ignore the evidence. I mean, you've got people like Ron who are going out there investigating ghosts and hauntings, yeah, but the public yep. aren't interested. They, they just they adopt their beliefs based on what they read in newspapers and what they see in mass media, and they don't really investigate the evidence one way or the other. How many people um, have actually ever read a parapsychological journal or even a website about this kind of thing? No, Most people no, no. really, you know, they just go on what their friends said or what their family said. How many people really look at the teachings of the Catholic Church, you know? I happen to have studied Roman Catholic theology when I was younger, so I could tell you what the beliefs are. But I bet most Catholics don't. They just believe what they've been told, you know, what they believe, because they're found. And, and, yet, and yet, the fascinating thing is that we believe, well, we have believed to such an extent that we've, we've, we've um, executed, destroyed, slaughtered millions of people in the name of, you know, God or, or our religion. Uh, and we will accept that, and yet there is absolutely, again, no proof whatsoever, apart from a big, a big black book called the Bible, that, that, uh, no, no, that no. tells we've, it all. We've got a couple of minutes left, so we can't get into the religious discussion now, else I would defend Christianity, um, as I always do. But I at the end of the day, we've killed just as many people in the name of communism, in the name of capitalism, in the, the, under the flag of Germany, the flag of Italy, the flag of Spain. People Ron, kill people. Don't forget really? French. Sorry? Don't French. forget the French. <laughs> the French Revolution was one of the most brutal uh, eras of our history. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Vendée, when they rounded up the royalists, put them out on barges and sank them in the river because there were too many to shoot, or bayonet. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, none, <laughs> none of that was done in the name of a loving God. No, and, uh, it we, was the name the, of a country. Millions of people. Yeah, but millions of people. In fact, far more people. I think you'll find, owing to the wonderful modern technology we have, have died in the name of you know the second during the Second World War, the Russian Revolution. Yeah, yeah. All of those deaths. We we mustn't forget those as well. Oh no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't forget them for one minute. But I mean, one of the very quickly. There's a fantastic film, um, "The Longest Day." Uh, you, you've probably all seen it. Uh, fantastic, all about D-Day. And there was a German um, German uh, officer on the beaches um, in his um, bunker uh, with his with his Alsatian dog. And, and, and as he saw the, the 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 American fleet coming towards Omaha Beach, he turned to to, to his Batman with him, and he said. Sometimes it makes you wonder which side God is on. And I thought that sums it all up. Well, who was it who said, was it Napoleon who said, God is on the side of the big battalions? And if you're really? a Catholic... Really? There you are, you see. Yeah. But, you, you know, I mean, in war there are, there are atrocities, but there is, there's also uh, great uh, feats of uh, 
mercy and so forth. I, I remember during the Civil War there was a, uh, a, a terrible battle for the North, and uh, in fact, uh, the troops led him in the barrel. And there was one guy, a color bearer, and he came up on the, the rebel line, and he was there with this, this flag just head towards the line, but he didn't realize that his entire company had been cut down. He was the only one left. And the rebels stood up, and they, they yelled at him and yelled at him and, and told him to turn around, and he stopped. And he realized what happened. He just saluted, and he marched away, and they, they never shot him, never did anything. Oh, that's wonderful. I like that. I, I, uh, Ron, I must talk. I need, I need to know more about that, because one, one of the next books I'm going to be writing is going to be called Save the Colors. Oh, well, I hate to say this, but it's time to wrap it up, guys. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, uh, DJ, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and uh, you're welcome to come on any time. Thank you very much. And, uh, Richard, uh, we got about a couple of minutes, so we, anything you want to add, CJ, before we let you go? Anything I want to what, add before we go? Oh, my goodness me. Uh, let's think about it. Um, no, only that, as I keep saying over and over again, can't wait. Can't wait to come over and see you all. Um, I just hope, you know, lots of people will come and see me because uh, I've got a lot of um, extremely interesting, contra controversial ideas about ghosts, uh, but but everyone must remember, I do believe in them. I, I do genuinely believe that there is a life after death. Um, I'm just one of these guys that's trying to to actually create debate, argument, discussion, and, and more research into it. Um, so let's hope that, you know, wh when I come over and see you all, that um, you'll come and see me, because I really can't wait. I'm very excited about the whole thing. And, and actually, we have quite tape. a few events lined up with you. If you go to the anyghostproject.com website uh, on the calendar page, you can uh, there's a haunted uh, lighthouse events, there's uh, Gettysburg events, there's uh, Concord events, uh, Lowell Worthen events. I mean, it's Dining with the Dead. It's all there on the uh, website at anyghostproject.com. Any like New England, ghostproject.com. And we hope to see you there. So anyways, Richard, uh, next week we talk about the Bell Witch, so that should be fun. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that. I shall start doing my research now. Oh, good. And I expect because I'm into poltergeists in a big way. What? What? What makes you think it's poltergeist? Well, I'm sure that I'm sure the Bell Witch is, was was quite a lot to do with poltergeist activity. Really? And and Andy Jackson was was involved, wasn't he, the president? Absolutely. Yeah, I thought so. I've already done my research. Can't wait. Yes, poltergeists. All are right, they any, dead or are they alive? Any events coming up for you this week? With me, yeah, I've got an event at a place called Dudley Castle um, on uh, Friday night. A big, it, We call it the Huge Ghost Hunt. We've got about 300 people turning up. Oh my God. And then on Saturday, Saturday, I'm doing a, um, a night vigil in a place called Hayden Hall uh, near Birmingham. I've never been before. It's an old Elizabethan place. And I'm, I think I'm the first person or we're the first group to actually go along and do a paranormal investigation. So, uh, okay. looking forward to that. I'm going to have Sounds a good great. weekend. Monday we have, uh, at the Wyndham Restaurant, we have uh, Jeff Belanger from Ghost Village. And we'll see everybody next week. So, good night. God bless. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-legged